No one noticed the little creatures but me. They were milling around the kitchen garden, preoccupied with the young tomato plants. They were trying to reach the small but ripe tomatoes at the top of one of the plants, but they were too short even to stretch themselves to that height of three feet. I got out of the car. I wanted to get a closer look at those critters in the garden. My family and I had just pulled into the driveway of the beach house we would be staying at in Blanche Shears. It was a two-story brick house, painted white with moss green wooden shutters, the same house we visited every August. My parents were busy complaining about one politician or another, while my cousin, Amy, listened attentively. She always preferred grown-up talk. I neared the overgrown patch of vegetables and a few fruit trees that was dubbed the kitchen garden. The little things took no note of me at first, and then, suddenly, they all froze. They turned their featureless faces up on me. Their tiny mouths, which were the only markings their faces bore, were turned down into frowns. I knew what their expressions would be if they had eyes to help them convey their feelings. Disbelief, sheer disbelief. How was I able to see them when they did not mean to be seen? I was able to see a lot of things others could not. I would not call it a gift exactly. It never really seemed to reward me. My name is Curabel. Everyone calls me Curious Curabel, or just Q because of the quizzical look I always have on my face. That look stemmed from the fact that I have always had more to question because I see more than the average person. The more that isn't there or doesn't exist to other people. Slowly, the little beings backed away from the tomato plant. They were at least two feet shorter than my four-foot frame at 12 years old. Their straw hats flopped from side to side as they began to edge away into the thick of the trees on that side of the house. I watched their heads bobble as they walked away, still facing me, due to their feet being turned backwards. They disappeared into the forest as I headed back to where my parents and Amy were. My parents did not know that their beach house had a Duen infestation. Story by Joanna Jadu from the University of the West Indies, posted September 17th, 2012. This is Monstras. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Monstras a podcast dedicated to Latin American and Latinx horror. 
folklore, history, and all things weird. My name is Brenda Salguero, and with me today is... I am Orquidea Morales. Uh, pardon the noise, we've, we're getting a lot of snow in the East Coast, so there's people digging us out. Um, so if you hear it in the background, that's what it is. Yes, she's in the second, she's on the second story and, and buried. Buried under I'm snow. I'm buried under snow. <laughs> <laughs> and yet she took time out of her precious day, <laughs> and instead of conserving air... Yeah. She's recording this episode. Exactly. So that that means y'all better li- leave us comments, uh, leave us a like, leave a review, follow us on Patreon and all our social media. Because yeah, I'm risking my life right here to entertain she's you. Risking, she's risking it all right now, guys. She's <laughs> risking it all. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about the Duan, which I hope I'm saying correctly. I hope but, so too. Yeah. This was one of the suggestions by, uh, or this was a suggestion made by one of our Patreon supporters. So this is a bit of a hint, a reminder that if you like us and want to support us and our work, um, join us on Patreon. If not, please leave us a review, as we mentioned before. So that would be super helpful to us and to growing this podcast and letting people know, uh, you know, about monsters and stuff. Yeah. And that we're awesome. Um, (laughs) and that orchidea loves risking her life for it so exactly i risk my (laughs) life for monsters and this one i'm really excited about so it's spelled d-o-u-e-n hence our hesitancy on how to say it but i didn't know anything about this creature so i'm really glad someone recommended it and we really haven't done a lot on trinidad and tobago which is where this creature comes from so do you want to get us started brenda yes so before I even like dive in and explore this uh, part of the world that we haven't even gotten to yet, I wanted to ask you, what do you think about dead babies? I don't really think about them much. <laughs> you know, it, it's not my go-to thought. <laughs> um, what? Yeah, I guess it's sad that babies die. Right? I just wanted to throw you off and just be like, give me your opinions about dead children right now. <laughs> On the spot. On the spot. Like, what, what would be think? the worst response to that if someone was like, what is your opinion on dead babies? What's the worst response, Brenda? What is the worst response? They're yeah. delicious. I don't know. <laughs> I eat them in my dumplings. I know. I just like horrified. Like, if you want to horrify anyone, just that's the yeah. response. That's a really good response. I wish Thank I were you. that quick. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you that because this part, this particular episode does focus on children. So not a light or nice topic, which is often the case with a lot of the monsters we explore. Uh, taboo subjects are often highly tied to monsters, obviously. And maybe it's a way to process the horrible things happening to people in a society or happening to like a certain group of people. I I don't know. I find it fascinating and which is why I'm going to find, well, uh, I found this particular monster really fascinating. So either way, it was actually hard to find information about this monster. Like we were combing the internet for it. It was really difficult. Yeah. I was Um, surprised. It was surprising. So according 
But what we did find is this. So according to the cryptid Wikipedia, the Duan is a naked child, sometimes wearing a banana leaf or loincloth on their lower half. They are about two or three feet tall. And the more creepy part is that they have a featureless face with only a small mouth. So they don't have noses. They don't have eyes. They're just blank skin eyes, right? Yeah. That's so weird because how do they know where to go? I imagine they have ears. Yeah, they do have ears. So maybe, I don't know, maybe they use echolocation. I don't know. Are these, but they are um, normally seen or encountered with wearing a straw, a huge straw hat, and this kind of allows them to kind of hide their featureless face so that they can pass as a normal child up until it's too late, <laughs> up until you get too close. <laughs> That's a good costume, a child. It is on their part. Yeah, totally, totally great costume, and. The most identifiable trait of a duan is that their feet are actually turned backwards. And they love, apparently they really enjoy hanging out around um, forests or around bodies of water in Trinidad and Tobago. Interesting. I mean, they kind of sound cute. Why Why should we be scared of them? And why are their feet backwards? Like that, I feel like that's a recurring thing with monsters, like backward feet. Yes, um, it is a very, especially in the Caribbean, now you have the Siguapa, which um, is a different episode that we covered already, but sh- her feet are also backwards, and there's yeah. a couple of different monsters in Latin America with backwards feet, and it feels like it's associated almost with monsters who are in forests. Okay. You know, that's kind of what it seems like to me, like, it's... I mean, okay, let me get into it. Okay. So, should we be scared of the Duan, right? Yeah, I say no. They sound adorable. Yeah, they do sound adorable. They do sound adorable, yeah. Their eyes. I can't tell what mood they're in. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, a Duan Duan is, is, it depends on who you are, basically. How old you are and if you've been baptized. So, The legend goes that these unbaptized souls, so basically the Duan, come from unbaptized souls that are destined to wander the earth practicing their pranks. (laughs) So, it doesn't sound really scary. They're just like really, they're pranks, right? Yeah. But, they are also said to lure children away, specifically other unbaptized children. By making, in some cases, making a whooping sound. <laughs> That's very particular. Right? I wonder if it's they like... tested different sounds. If they were like, okay, kid, if I make this sound, will you? is that enough to bring you here? No. Okay, it has to be whooping. Okay, good. It has to be a whooping sound. <laughs> and so, and I, I imagine because they're unbaptized children that died really young, their language skills is probably not very high, right? Good point. You know, so that's my assumption is that why they make whooping sounds instead of like, and apparently according to to the article I got this from, it was a mesmerizing whooping sound. <laughs> I would need to hear that to believe that. I don't think I've ever heard anything that's mesmerizing when it comes in a whooping form. <laughs> 
like a woo woo like something i don't know what it would be that that i am not mesmerized i am not (laughs) drawn to that i would run away from that sound i would too i mean (laughs) it's crazy so anyways the duan will also play with uh will play with a child and slowly lure it farther and farther away from home. Sometimes the children are found in kind of weird predicaments, predicaments or weird arrangements. Other times they just never show up at all. So they disappear. What do you mean by weird predicaments? Please have to explain. <laughs> I don't know. So I read that and I was like, what do they mean by weird predicaments? And they also said strange arrangements with other people. So my guess is they get dropped off at other people's houses and then the people are like, why is there a child in our house? Whose child is this? Okay. Because when you said that, I was like, do they tie them up to a tree? Like, do they cut like cut them up into pieces and then re-sew them together? That would be a, a weird arrangement. That Oh, I see what you mean. You mean like a physical, like a physical yeah. rearrangement of their limbs. Yeah. No, this is more like their situation. So they... Okay. So they'll... I guess the duo to do it after it gets bored with the child is like you know what here's a house <laughs> i mean these creatures still sound awesome to me they babysit for a while they give your kid an adventure and then they drop them off they drop them off i mean in some cases they might never drop them off and they might okay. just that just means your child is really cool yeah no they become part of the i i don't know what happens to them apparently I mean, my my head is that they become parts part of the uh, part of the tribe of the duo. <laughs> yeah, that's what I imagine. Yeah. So then, the last feature that we talked about is their backwards feet. So why are their feet that way? Well, one assumption or one belief is that it's harder for them to track, uh, and it's a way to hide their tracks. You know, after they lure children away. So I don't know how much that is true, but that you can't track something with backwards feet. I no. don't know. I'm not a tracker. Because I also imagine if they're taking children, their feet are backwards, but the child's feet are going the right way. But I guess you don't know which one's forward and which one's backward. Oh, that's true. So they're so going then... in opposite directions and you don't know which one to follow. Oh, you're right. Okay, yeah. Okay, I could see I could see how that yeah. would be uh, hard to follow. Yeah. Um, I mean... It's, again, still sounds interesting to me, so I just want to be clear, make sure I'm not (laughs) idealizing a weirdo. Uh, So the Duan lures or preys on unbaptized kids, but it's also created when unbaptized children die, right? Yes. Yes. That's kind of sad. It is sad. It is sad. Uh, It's just, uh, yeah. But it's poor children. It's almost like... And I think you mentioned this later, but it is very much a very Peter Panish kind of thing, situation. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. And I feel bad for these kids. Like, it's not their fault that they weren't baptized. And also, I don't know, Catholics are weird. Yeah, like, why is it baptism? And I guess they died before they were baptized. We don't know what they died from. They just perished somehow. Yeah. And maybe it has to do with, like, high infant mortality rates or something. I don't know. But children do end up dying from some what we today call 
curable diseases. So maybe it's just, it was more common for children to die at a younger. I mean, I, that sounds like a semi-healthy coping mechanism, right? Rather than thinking that your child is dead and gone, your child is just playing in the woods with other like creatures, you know? Yeah, and they're doomed to just play pranks on people. Yeah. Which is actually not not bad, right? Yeah. Not a bad existence. So in some versions, though, instead of luring children, they actually start luring hunters into the forest. But most stories uh, around the uh, Duan or Duin is around like how dangerous these creatures are specifically to children. I do have to add that one way for a child to avoid being captured by uh, this creature is that their parents have to avoid saying their names out loud. So then the Duen does not learn the child's name and calls for it. So that makes sense, but also it kind of also makes sense for like stranger danger. Yeah, Th- yeah, this sounds a lot like stranger danger and you know, it explains why we have so many nicknames. What? For what? Well, we have nicknames to trick the Duan. Oh, oh, I see. Yes, yes. Uh, they do have, we do have a lot of nicknames. <laughs> Not just like you and me, but you know, Latinos and Caribbean folk yes. have a lot of nicknames. They do have a lot of nicknames. My favorite one was reading how someone, someone was saying in a tweet, man, Jamaicans are so uh, cruel with their nicknames. And someone was like, how? And I guess there was this dude who had a, uh, a longer arm than a shorter arm than the other arm, so he mm-hmm. was kind of uneven. And a, apparently, his his nickname was Clock or something. <laughs> like that. That's a, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of genius. It the Dwan was not gonna get him. No, no. Exactly. It was, it was so funny. <laughs> I was like, you guys. Oh my god. I don't even know how true that is. Again, it was a tweet. Yeah. So. Which are all facts. Which we know are, this. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Which are all facts. <laughs> I do believe that, though, because I imagine, yeah, like my family members would do some shit like that. Uh, yes. So according to the cryptid website, uh, the Duen are more likely to come out during a full moon, uh, which is fun. Which also doesn't make sense, because if they can't see, why do they need the full moon? But that's an aside. Yes, uh, that's... <laughs> that's right. Try to explain the science behind the Okay, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but my favorite part of the legend is, according to Cryptid, um, that the Duen can develop a liking for a specific person and just keeps bugging them by showing up to their door and knocking and crying. Like, how annoying is that? <laughs> I love it. They're clingy as hell. <laughs> and they are. They ask their that person that they fall in love with to be their parent. Like, Aww. yeah. So I I kind of like them. I feel for them. How would I get one? Like, can I lure it with something? Tell us, Brenda. How do I capture a duen? <laughs> Let me tell you how they capture a duen. So, well, first of all, I really love the idea of seeing the duen, and who who knows how they know. It's it's a full moon. Maybe they count the days. I don't know. Who yeah. knows? But I can just imagine the Duan just whooping into the night on a full yeah. moon and then just having a little parade of children 
marching along with them behind them in the moonlight. Is that cute? That's so, okay. So there's this game called Spirit Fair for the Switch. Have you played it? No. It's really beautiful, and it's just like you. Your job is to like build houses on the boat for spirits, and then you once you complete certain missions for them, like their final wishes, you take them to the final archway where they die. So what? it's really beautiful and really sad and all about mourning. But one of the characters looks like it's a mushroom. So his face is covered by the mushroom cap and you kind of only see the mouth. So that's what I'm imagining they look like. Oh, yes. I want to play this game. I'm going to, I have to get a Switch. God damn it. You do. So- <laughs> but no, that's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing like the little mushroom Duane walking down the forest with kids just being like, yep. Just a line of Zoidbergs. Like yes. just into so many night. Zoidbergs. Cute Zoidbergs, though. <laughs> but see, what they do for food, like what they actually eat, is they feed off cultivated gardens and seem to have, seem to have like a bizarre fondness of water crabs. Speaking of crabs. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think, I mean, I'm, I can't get them a garden because I kill everything, but oh, I can no. get them water crabs. So now, now I want one. Yeah, so you can get them water crabs, or okay. Okay. another way to attract them is to talk about them. So what we're doing now... <laughs> they're, they're chismosos, huh? They're chismosos. They, are, they love hearing about themselves. So <laughs> it, rumor has it that if they hear you talking about them, they're actually likely to show up. But warning, if you do want one of these little creatures, guys, to show up at your house, you have to be careful... Because they are, they tend to be really hard to get rid of once you, once they've imprinted on you, basically. So like children. <laughs> yeah. So like you can't children. Get rid of them. They're, just really, they're really hard to get rid of. So uh, indigenous folks report that the religious intervention is typically necessary to actually remove the creatures from the home. So what from what I read, it's actually kind of simple. Supposedly you can sprinkle like, uh, holy water in their faces, in their little featureless faces, <laughs> and then bless them, and it'll like uh, forgive the soul, release the soul. Oh, and so it's—I don't know if that's true or not. It sounds like a really simple way to get rid of them. I don't know if it has to be like done by a priest, but it sounds like it has to be done maybe by some religious authority. Okay, I mean that sounds really cute, and also. Yeah, I'm just picturing now, like, you know, with cats, you have like a spray bottle. Yes. So, so I'm just picturing like... like a really cute little creature that you have around. And then when you get a little tired, you're like, shh, shh, and then they run away. <laughs> yeah, and then they go away. So yeah, that's basically what you would have to do. Okay. I like these slight creatures. They're really, they, they sound cute. Yes. Um, and it's, it was, I think, hard to trace directly where, because that's what's interesting to us. Like, where do these creatures come from? Yes. Um, but because of the complicated history of Trinidad and Tobago and their colonial history and political past, it's kind of hard, right? Because this isn't also like a big creature or like a super, I don't know, it's not a chupacabra in that there's a lot of sightings, right? It seems kind of smaller. Yes. Um, so we know it definitely has African roots, but it was also influenced by France, Spain, and England, all colonizers of the islands at some point. 
Um, so maybe you can go through some of that history and we can figure out what might have influenced the Duong. Yes, because it is a fascinating history. So Columbus arrived in Trinidad in about 1498. The island at the time was inhabited by Arawakan-speaking tribal groups that originally uh, came from the Orinoco River Delta region and a small number of Caribbean, Cara- I think it's called Kiriban, right? Or Caraban. Uh, Caraban. Cariban. There you go. Cariban speakers. So in the 16th century, many of these Trinidadian, Trinidadian uh, Indians were captured by Spanish slave traders and sent to work in other Spanish possessions. But there was no effective Spanish presence on the island until 1592. So you can say that colonization was pretty slow in this area, probably because the Spaniards didn't see much of an opportunity to make money there. So obviously that's what the Spanish came for is money. Yeah. Piles so, of gold and piles power. Of gold. Yeah. And so apparently there were no piles of gold in this, this island, so they ignored it. So then from 1776, the Spanish government encouraged Roman Catholics and other Caribbean islands to settle in Trinidad with their slaves. So this immigration became significant after the cedula or a decree of 1783, which offered generous land and tax incentives to settlers and completely transformed Trinidad's population, economy, and society. Ooh. So it's crazy. So most of these settlers were French. And so the French influence became the dominant influence. So they so, technically weren't owned or colonized by the French. It was more of a weird Spanish brought in French to just live there. Which is so... It's it's weird. What, okay. what are you doing, Europeans? Uh, so... <laughs> So they just invited a bunch of French people, which I would never do that. Um, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I know. I'm very bad at pronouncing things in French or the French language. So it's just... They would make fun of you. Yeah. I mean, yes, they absolutely would. Because I have a hard time pronouncing anything, really. So... (laughs) As we well know. (laughs) As we well know. Um, So many slaves were actually brought in from other colonies and from Africa. So on the islands, plantations were established, uh, the production of cotton and sugar began, and the trade increased markedly. So by 1797, when Britain seized the island from Spain, Trinidad (laughs) had begun its development as a plantation economy and a slave society. That's so So it barely... Yeah, it was in the early stages, I guess, so it never really... um, progressed too far, right? Mm. So Trinidad was formally ceded to Britain in 1802. Other immigrants came to Trinidad after 1838 from the smaller British Caribbean colonies. Uh, Africa, as free settlers rescued from foreign slave ships, Madeira, China, Syria, Lebanon, Venezuela, and the United Kingdom, which is great. That's crazy. That's such a weird melting pot. Like, we need to do more episodes on Trinidad and Tobago because that is such a fascinating, weird combination. Um, it really is. Like, yeah. Syria? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Like, what yeah. are you, all the way over there. China. But China was 
Uh, I'm not too surprised about China. They were everywhere. Um, same with the United Kingdom. They were everywhere. It's the other countries. Yeah. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. So Trinidad's uh, population became one of the most heterogene- heterogeneous uh, in the Caribbean. How do I not know how to say any of these words? Heterogeneous? Um, Heterogeneous. Heterogeneous. Or basically, it was uh, one of the most, like, um, what does that mean exactly? If we have a melting pot of all these different, like, cultures, how is it heterogeneous? So heterogeneous means that uh, there's a lot of different groups instead of, like, homogeneous, which is, like, one group. Oh, that's right. So that makes sense. Yeah. I was, why was I thinking... I think I interchanged homo and hetero in my head. <laughs> Try not to. I, I mean, I was like, that can lead to a lot of issues if you mix your I hetero just... with your homo. I know. I was like, wait a minute. I just it made no sense in my head. I was like, wait, hetero? Should it be homo? And then I was like, no, it's uh-huh. it's no, it's the opposite, Brenda. <laughs> Anyways. I just had a brain fart. So, Trinidad and Tobago, or Tobago, attained independence in 1962, so a long time after, and became a republic within the Commonwealth in 1976. So, it was colonized for a really long time. Yeah. And I mean, I think that really explains the the French element, right? Because the word douane is like a, a mix of French and African, I think. Yes. Um, influences the, the name itself um, but also yeah the native and African influences um, yeah I want to I guess we can talk more about them and what we discovered they're creatures that don't work alone which I appreciate <laughs> <laughs> they're a group the group think <laughs> yeah and, and they aren't pure evil like from from the sounds of it from what we researched they're just tricksters and they're they're children spirits right so they are obviously super playful and, and mischievous, like travieso. Did, did you ever yeah. use that word? Yeah. Yes, I have yeah. used that word. Like very, yeah, very, um, they're very fun oriented, which makes sense because they're children. Yeah. And and it turns out that they have a soft heart for animals, which again, children. Um, they have been known to be assistance to bababois in the forest when an animal is trapped and injured. Um, so what they do is, is they imitate animal calls to throw mm-hmm. hun- hunters off a track. Um, Aww. Yeah, so that's really awesome. And then this Papa Bois guy, it re- roughly translates to Father Forest or Father of the Forest. And according to the website Caribbean Reads, he is one of the oldest characters of Caribbean lore, which makes sense, right? Like this deity of the forest when you're surrounded by forest. Yeah, makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so he's like the male version of Mother Nature. Instead of Mother Nature, you have Father Forest. Aww. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's meant to protect all things nature. Papa uh, Bois is depicted as half animal and half human. The lower half of his body is of a goat, and the upper part of his body, like his chest, chest, his head, chest, and arms, his chest, his as hest. I like to call it, <laughs> uh, is is like a man's, a very burly man, I imagine. And he has two horns coming out of his forehead. So, um, what is that called? Like a centaur? Yeah, he's he's very centaur looking, I guess, would be the the way he Yeah, he's half animal, half human. Yeah. And it's said that he can run faster than any creature. 
So that's kind of his superpower. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does look... He almost looks exactly like what the Westerners also... They took the satyr and made Satan look like that. So mm-hmm. he looks like a satyr, essentially. Yeah. Um, that's the guy from... What's that? Uh, the Witch, the Wardrobe? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Doesn't... Doesn't... Oh, my God. Who plays him? Uh, McAvoy. Famous... McAvoy. Yeah, McAvoy plays him. Yes. What's his yes, first that name? That would be a satyr. What? I can't remember his first name. It doesn't matter. James, isn't it? Oh, James, James I didn't hear you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the, the website Life in Trinidad and Tobago describes him a little differently. So they say he is depicted as an African man with at least one leg ending in a cloven hoof, hoof, a beard made of leaves, which sounds awesome, yes. two short horns, horns protruding from atop his head. And is impressively muscular for his seemingly advanced age. So, I like this description because it made me think of Idris Elba. That's who would play him, right? That is like, I'm, I'm like muscular. Idris Elba's muscular? No, he is. He is. That's why I was like this handsome man with a cloven hoof. Like, yeah, and he had that role where he had white hair already. So just add some leaf beard and you you got a papa bois. Yeah, you do have a papa bois. So I think yeah. I think you're right. He would play him in a movie. I think that would be perfect casting. I think so. Um and That's he's married. Cast. Sorry ladies, he's not available. <laughs> he's not available. Just like the real I- Idris Elba. I think he's married, right? I assume he is. Yes, yeah. I think so. Uh, so Father Forrest is married to Mama Dola, um, whose name comes from Mother of Water in French. And her description sounds like a a siren. Um, So she's beautiful with long hair. Uh, She has a human top, but her lower half is a green anaconda. Oh, Her anaconda don't want none. (laughs) Unless it's Idris Elba, like Papa Forest. (laughs) Idris Elba from the forest. I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. Absolutely terrible. So, and she usually hides her body underwater, so you only see the top part. That is so, so cool. I think it makes sense that the Duans would follow Father Forest, right? Like, and be- because they kind of create a really nice family between mo- the mother of the water, the father of the forest, and then these children that love to be in the forest and have no parents. So they kind of, you know, make a little bit of a Peter Pan community. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? I absolutely. That's what I think. I think they definitely, like I mentioned before, they they definitely are kind of lost children, lost boys, right? Yeah. And then they like take care of them, and and honestly, in my head, in my little head canon, they're all a happy family that you know they all they get along and stuff. Obviously. Yeah. And I think what happens is like when um, one of the duo get like release like with the holy water that's why they have to get more children to replace the ones that are healed oh, so they're not bad yeah <laughs> i'm trying really sense. hard to make them not bad <laughs> i don't think they are i don't i mean besides the luring children once in a while away and never to return i'm kind of like eh, just get your kid baptized and you'll be good yeah right? Which is the problem. So that's one of the interesting things about um, 
this creature is that it's created by un- unbaptized children, right? And yes. that seems really harsh and fucked up because why? Why? It's not the child's fault that we have created this structure of religion that punishes them for not being soaked in water, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. It's it's such a cruel thing to to t- to happen to children for no reason. Yeah. And I know for example in Catholicism, it wasn't until 2007 uh that the rules changed. So before 2007, unbaptized children were thought to go to limbo when they died. So they're stuck in this in-between place, which again is not their fault. Um, And then in 2007, the Vatican made a statement that these kids do go to heaven. Unbaptized kids, like dogs, can go to heaven. (laughs) Like dogs? (laughs) I'm baptizing my dog. That that dog is going to heaven. God damn it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the movie says all dogs go to heaven. It doesn't say, like, asterisk, only baptized Baptized dogs go to heaven. (laughs) Uh, but but I think that the question is then, like, what is the religious breakdown of Trinidad and Tobago? What does that look like? Are they Catholics? Yeah. So according to the 2011 census, 33% were Protestant, 21 was Catholic, 18 was Hindu, makes sense, mm-hmm. and 5% were Muslim. So a small number of individuals subscribed to traditional Caribbean religions with African roots, such as spiritual Baptists and the Orisha. Interesting. So it's interesting. Also, I find it interesting that the Vatican, it wasn't until 2007 they were like, we should probably do something about these unbaptized children. Yeah. And the idea that they're in limbo. Yeah. Because we should probably, I don't know, treat children better. I don't know. Also, wow. Who gave them the authority to change the rules? Like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. The Vatican is directly connected to God. Isn't that the idea that God speaks to the Pope, hence he's the Pope? I don't think anyone speaks to the Pope. Um... (laughs) Anyone speaks to the Pope or to God? (laughs) I don't think, I don't know. How do we know it's God talking to the Pope? We don't know. We don't know that. He's just making, honestly, he's making shit up. Like, just making a ton of stuff up. Wow. Well, now we're going to hate, get all the hate mail from all the Catholics and Christians out in the world. I was raised, I was raised Catholic, okay? So I know a little bit about these things. I was baptized Mm -hmm. in the church. However, I never took communion because I questioned everyone and everything. And so I was, I moved away. I wasn't kicked out, but I could see myself getting kicked out eventually (laughs) (laughs) so you said goodbye before they said please leave yeah i broke up with them before they could break up with me that sounds fair yeah (laughs) (laughs) so and finally thinking about how sad it is for these faceless children which again seems totally unfair that they're you know condemned to this state even though it's not a bad state and they're not Mm -hmm. bad children it's still kind of weird Uh, There was an interesting analysis I read that made it all worse. So let me read this to you. (laughs) Yay, for making it worse. Okay. (laughs) So this is a quote. Terrifyingly twisted and turned, the duan is presented as an abjectly illegitimate non-being. Its repulsiveness is amplified by the apparent illegitimacy of spirit which manifests in Trinidadian culture 
as a physically deformed being. The authority to damn such a creature had traditionally rested with the church, which performed the sacrament of baptism. But we can easily see how the state or any governing body could fill that role and has. Thus, having died before receiving the sacrament, and by subsequently having its feet reversed, the Duan's redemption became a virtual impossibility. It literally would have been unable to seek, find, and move toward salvation. Conversely, its hands, though not reversed, would not be able to grasp onto its savior. Its internal facelessness would require no explanation as there would be no expression to warrant it. It's basically saying that the Duan is trapped, damned to never be able to redeem itself. It has no agency. Isn't that bananas? I mean, I'm really depressed now. (laughs) So thanks a lot. Now I really do want to adopt all of them. (laughs) I know. It's the fact that it says it literally would have been unable to seek, find, and move towards salvation. That got me. Well, I guess this is why academics are so messed up. They ruin everything. (laughs) But that makes sense because if this is like the the authority figure is telling you you're not good enough, right? It's the way the authority figure, I imagine, presents or sees African and indigenous communities as never being worthy of salvation. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I hate that. It's it's terrible. But I also think it's fascinating because I see how this relates to zombies as well. So zombies also have no agency. They too are trapped. I just wonder if this is just yet another way of the the horrors of slavery manifest, you know, kind of manifest itself. And I don't know. What do you what do you think? I think so. I mean, I think it's like um a mix, right? It's people trying to understand why children die and understand what happens when they do die, right? And dealing with that, which I imagine is hard. But then, yeah, like these, um, the the hierarchy, right? That we don't see the humanity in certain people that we turn into slaves or turn into products, like the African slaves that they brought in or the indigenous peoples that they conquered, right? Yes. Um, so, way to bring it down. I'm telling you, know, academics, it, they're so it, messed up. I brought it down. So, you did. But I think it's a fascinating connection because I mean it is kind of messed up and not everything has to be like about slavery or whatever but I do think that it has some sort of influence especially when you think about yeah why doesn't like it doesn't have a face it doesn't have a nose it can't smell it can't you know it just can't move towards salvation and it's Mm -hmm. salvation in the way that the church has kind of yeah you know cement it it's just it's just wild and fascinating to me that the idea of these monsters not having any agency and that's true because they're babies who were unbaptized that's not their fault exactly so they never even had any agency to begin with yeah poor babies poor babies so i thought Let's that was go really get interesting yeah so that's basically all we have for today's for this month's episode i mean that was crazy yeah it was really interesting again we need to do more work on 
the Caribbean. I think there's a lot there um, that we haven't really tapped into. And I think it's partly because we're not familiar with it at all. Right. Exactly. So if we got anything wrong, let us know. Yeah. Send us sources, (laughs) send us stories. We would love to cover more uh, topics from the Caribbean and from other places that we haven't talked about yet. We're always up for exploring and, and learning. This is an awesome, fun learning process for us too. Exactly. So it is super fun. And I just want to say, you know, as we close out, thanks for everyone for listening. If you love what we do, please consider joining our Patreon, as we mentioned before, uh, to listen to exclusive episodes and hear any future news or merch that we might have. You can also support us by leaving a review. And if you have any monstrous creatures or legends you want us to cover, let us know. You can connect with us on social media at Twitter, Instagram, or on our website at monstraspodcast.com. So, what else? We have one last thing that we wanted to do, right? We wanted to thank um, all the amazing Patreon supporters that have joined us for the ride and are listening to Monstras After Dark, and I'm sure loving it. (laughs) Yes, hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) Uh, So thanks to Tony Ann, Desiree, Diana, Caleb, Patty, Gume, Orchata, Damien, Crystal, Anne, and Dulce uh, for supporting us. I feel uh, so two of those people are my family. So they should be supporting me. <laughs> I'm glad they're doing it financially through this. Uh, but yeah. So thank you all. And yes, if you want a shout you. out, join our Patreon and, and we'll give you a shout out. Yes, we'll give you a shout out. And we will definitely have, we have future plans. We have future merch that we're doing. And we do have an exclusive podcast that we release called Monsters After Dark on our Patreon. So definitely check it out if you Have time if you want to check it, you know, support us, but also leave a review. That's also pretty fun or interact with us on social media now that we're back. (laughs) Now now that we're back after a a long (laughs) time. We took a little bit of a a Christmas hiatus. We we needed it. Oh, yeah. We were, ugh, my job was burning me out. So (laughs) anyways, that's basically it. Thank you so much, guys. And as always, stay safe. Stay out of the forest and don't follow any tracks, any backwards feet looking tracks. Or do follow follow. them and bring all the duan to me and I will take care of them. Yes. Orfida will take care of them once she's been dug out of the snow. Exactly. Send help (laughs) first and then send the babies. (laughs) Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye.